To all of the veterans out there, thank you for your service. This is the Street Smart Mental Health Podcast. We are coming to you from the Lou Fuse Automotive Group Studio. My name is Michael Wellington, and the man across the table from me is my tag team partner. Many of you know him as the Natty King. His name is Brandon McNamee. Brandon, what is happening today? Hey, good to be here. Glad to be here. Happy to be here. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm excited about the gentleman we're going to speak to here today. My friend, Bill Benson, he is a United States veteran. Last year, we did a video, Producer Bipolar did a video in partnership with the Arlington Greens Veteran Golf Association, which is a group that Bill plays golf with. And when we produced this video, I interviewed a lot of the veterans and we asked them kind of what they enjoyed about golf, what they enjoyed about our league. And Bill had an incredible answer when we talked to him. We asked him, why do you come play in the league? And his answer was simply, I play in the league because it helps with my PTSD. And Bill, thanks for being in with us today. And I assume that's still true. Is golf still helping you with your PTSD? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. What branch were you in? Marine Corps. And when did you go? What year did you enter the Marine Corps? 1967. Okay. And where did you uh, go when you left the United States? Vietnam. Oh, yeah. You did. All right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, back then, you went to boot camp and... Infantry training and went to Vietnam. Did you have a number or? Like, no. No? Okay. And what made you hop in the hot water there? Well, I grew up real poor from North St. Louis. I'm from North St. Louis. So is uh, the Natty King here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What part? I grew up in Pleasant Hollow, which is, well, you're, you're from North City, right? You said? I'm from the city. So I was North yeah. County, North okay. County. So I was uh, Shackelford Central Parkway, uh, Florissant, Florissant area. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, probably a little bit. No, I grew up area. on uh, North Grand and West Florissant. Oh, shit. Okay. Okay. And you just decided one day that you were going to go? Well, didn't have any money to go to college. Okay. And I had been accepted at the, with the Air Force. And I could have done anything I went, but I was walking down the street one day and walked into my core. No shit. Office. You said, they said, that's what I want to do. That's cool. You just joined right up. You didn't get drafted or anything. You just said, I'm going. Yeah. These guys are badasses for a reason. Were you 18, 20 years old? I was 18. Just a kid. I don't think I was even out of high school yet. Okay. I graduated the end of May and went in boot camp the end of June. Any reason why the Marine Corps over another? Um, basically, if you're going to go to war, you want to go with the Marine Corps. Okay. You don't want to go with anybody else. So. Got it. And when did you come back? I came back in 69. Okay. Did you know when you got back? that you were going to have this PTSD challenge? No. That's the difference between us and the kids that are coming out of the service now. We had no idea. And um, I was thinking about what I was going to say here because it's a little nervous. But, um, Speak freely, man. Whatever, you say whatever yeah, you, you know, want, whatever Vietnam you don't Vietnam veterans, there's a couple of things, just thinking about it over the years of why 
we had so many problems. One, you got to remember the times. Right. So we were 19, 20 years old when we come back. We'd been through that, so we didn't really fit in, you know. But it was even worse because, like, when I left, everybody had crew cuts and flat tops, and and then you walk back into this world with long hair and mini skirts, Woodstock and, and shit. Everything is different, so you don't fit in anyway, and then you're just really kind of lost. You well, don't know what to do. How were you treated when you got kid, back? You're, 20 years old. How were you treated when you got back by the public and everybody? Uh, I didn't have the problem. When we got in, they kind of protected us at El Toro base. So, And they, they kept us on the bus till we got to the airport. I almost got in a fight at the airport, but that was. That's okay. That's us. But then back home, how to say this. One thing I remember that just stuck out all the time was uh, I was with my friends and they hit, you know, there was three friends and three girls and everything. Oh, what have you been doing? Like I was going to college or something. I said, well, I just got back from Vietnam. I I was a machine gunner on helicopters. Holy shit. And then all the girls got away from me. See, they should, it should have been the other way around. (laughs) You would think. But, well, now. Yeah. Now. Yeah. You would have been the safest guy to be around. And, uh, you know, you're 20 years old. Yeah, you're a kid. So, you know, you become a little even more isolated. So, and then the other thing with that is the guys with Afghanistan, I kind of relate to them because when you fight that hard or you do something that hard and they don't let you win, especially if you're a Marine, we're there to win. We're not, you know, it's not. Yes. That affects you too. But you just don't know it. We didn't know anything, you know, so you go right. through a long time without knowing what it does. Well, to that point, when did you realize that, okay, I've got some things going on in my mind that are stemming from what I did overseas to defend the country? I mean, did it take a long time for you to realize, or did you know like four or five years later? Oh, no. I, you know something's wrong with you, but you don't know what it is. Okay. And it took until, man, I was in my maybe 40s. Okay. Oh, wow. So about 20-something years ago. Well, there was nobody to talk to. Nobody well, to, back right. then. Nobody said any, what it was. We didn't even know. Yeah, back then they didn't know shit about mental health, and they just kind of, yeah. nobody said a word. Yeah. So you suffered in silence for 20-something years, feeling like shit. I, I hate to say suffer, but, yeah, I went through a bunch. I was one of the lucky ones. I... I met a really nice woman. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she calmed me down. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they do, man. The good ones and do. They, that's what yeah. they do. And then I had, you know, my first baby and that kind of, but still, you know, I still had problems even. Luckily, I have a good wife. Do you mind telling us a little bit about what kind of problems you had coming back? Oh. From those, uh, during that time? I got in a few fights. I got trouble at work a couple of times. Drinking. Mm-hmm. Thinking, you probably know a lot more now, but did you know that some of those things you were experiencing were of the depression variety or of the anxiety variety, or did you not learn that until even later as well? Later, okay. You know you have it. And, you know, I had times where I had to. I lived by a park, and there were times I just had to walk away and go over and sit in the park. I didn't know what it was. Man. 
Did the uh, be by myself? Yeah, I get that. Did the VA hospital help you with some learning about some of this stuff? Yes and no, but I never went to the VA. Oh, you didn't until I was in my forties. What made you decide to go? Was it because you felt like you needed somebody that I worked with said, "Man, you need to go talk uh, to somebody, see somebody, and put in for compensation too." So I did. So you probably correct me if I'm wrong. You they pro- didn't help me. No, they didn't do anything. My first visit with them, they told me it was a woman. She was an older lady. She said, "Man, you got PTSD. You need to be on a lot of medicine." I said, "I'm, t- I'm not taking your medicine." You know, so that's a great that's a great point, right? So, have you taken medicine for it? Okay. Well, my question would be. Is there a medicine for PTSD, like a, a pill? There's pills, yeah, and um, they kind of mess guys up because they don't. If you don't have the right pill, yep, or the right dosage, it makes them worse than what. Okay. They are. So anyway, she gave me fifty percent. Okay. And I went back, and this one friend of mine, this guy had, I worked with him. He has like. Every medal but the Medal of Honor, you know. We were sitting there talking, and he said, you know, you're you're just the guy the VA likes. And he said, the veteran VA likes. So what's that? He said, you don't put in for anything. Right. So I did, and and um, he recommended that I go to a doctor out, outside of the VA. He said, you can't trust the VA. So I did. I went to a guy named Dr. Liss, who helps a lot of veterans. And then I started with him, I started understanding some things. What did you learn from him? It's kind of funny. He'll tell you, I bet you're doing this. I bet you're hypersensitive. Uh, he knew your behavior? Yeah. He oh, wow. said, I bet you, when you drove over here, you probably got pissed off and wanted to get in a, a fight or an argument with somebody on the way over. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That could have been road rage. Yeah. Um <laughs> And just some other things. Are you depressed? Yeah. Are you, you know. Of course, they always ask you if you want to kill yourself. Uh No. There might be some other people I want to kill, but I'm not one of them. (laughs) Uh, So what kind of things did you learn from him, or maybe you learned on your own about handling depression? uh, This is separate from the VA. He had a group that an associate of his ran. And he recommended that I go to the group meeting. So I went to the group meeting, and you meet everybody else there that has, they were all Vietnam veterans at the time. And uh, the doctor that was doing the meeting was a Vietnam veteran. Dr. Lester was too. He was a surgeon in, in Vietnam. Anyway. So you go there, and he usually starts the meetings like, uh, like I just said. Well, I bet you guys, how many of you guys were all pissed off on the way here? You know, and everybody raises. And then during life, you'll be sitting there. You guys might have this. You'll be waiting in line at like at a hamburger place or something, mm-hmm. and there's some stupid person in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. No, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah, you can say is, that on this, this. podcast. You can say whatever the fuck you want to. Here, you know? <laughs> and everybody raises their hand. Yeah. And you start thinking, okay, well, it makes you feel like you belong to something. Good. Yeah. So and it really uh, helps you. I don't say a lot at the meetings, but I listen and 
it makes you feel better being in a group of people like minded, feeling the same way you do. We were just talking about that 10 minutes ago, Mike and I, and we said the same thing, like being in that group surrounding and knowing that you're not the only one that feels this way does a fucking ton. I don't know what happens to these young kids that are committing suicide, but I would bet that they feel what I felt, which is you're just out there by yourself. And if they got into a group setting with other people, well, and plus... That's the way we were taught. I mean, we were all part of a, a unit. So you get back to being part of a unit. And I think that would keep a lot of people from committing suicide. I think you're right. I think. I feel you're right. I'm not an expert. No, and we, we try to preach over and over that you're, you know, remind people they're not alone and they're not the only one that feels this way. 22 a day is the number, right? Yeah. 22 a day. That tells you that there's a lot of people feeling the same way that you are right there. Get out there, reach out to somebody, let them know. That's how yeah. you're feeling. You have to find something. Uh, like be, before golf, I played a lot of fast um, pitch softball. I was on the St. Louis team that went to the final, or a lot of stuff. Nice. And then I played a lot of soccer, too. And that was all that helped, you know, because you get yeah. a little of that shit. Out of team it. atmosphere and you're exercising, yeah. Yeah. And then that went away, and then I had a little bit of trouble. Uh, and I found golf. And mm-hmm. it's relaxing. It's kind of a um, catch-22. <laughs> I know about and, this. And I'll tell you why. I like being by myself. And I can get on the golf course and I can just, I mean, I get pissed like everybody else playing golf. Oh, yeah. You know? But then the other side of that is I'll see guys, you know, four guys playing together and you go. Man, I wish I had that too. Sure. Kind of a, so, the Arlington League feels both. When did you find golf? Oh, I was in. I was at least fifty. Okay. So kind of late. Yeah. Well, I played like I said uh, the fast pitch softball. I played into my. I was forty nine, I guess. And then soccer, I played till almost into. Let me ask you this, Bill. If you heard that a younger veteran was struggling with those thoughts of suicide, what kind of advice or mentorship would you say to him or her? It's a hard question because you really have to think with that because you don't want to make them more depressed. You of course. You don't say things like, you know, hey, man, I've been through this. I used to drink and I, you don't want to say those things to somebody. Okay. You know? Probably I would say, listen, I've been through it. You're not alone. The VA now does have group. They do a lot better job because they've learned it. Actually, they didn't. I don't think they wanted to. I think the Vietnam veterans kind of pushed them to that, that there's groups and there's other people. I would tell them to come to that group meeting that I go to. I had a friend that was struggling, and again, he didn't know either. Mm-hmm. And people go to those meetings, and they actually break down. And I don't think they break down because um, they're remembering something from Vietnam, although that's part of it. I think it's because they finally realize that they're not alone. That's nice that's, to hear. Yes. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's I mean, powerful. Yeah. Those guys cry. Yeah, and rightfully so. I mean, it's okay. The things you guys have gone through to 
enable all of us to live this incredible freedom life that we enjoy in the United States. Like that we take for granted too. Yeah. I mean, that's intense. And, and see, I, they're coming back to a different world than I came back. So I can't help them with that. Right. I mean, we weren't, we just were out of place, you know, and we weren't treated good. I mean, there's more to, but I, you know, people didn't, didn't like you for no reason. So help me understand this. So when you came back, when you were younger, when you first came back to the United States after your first tour, like, would people know by looking at you that you were a veteran or because yeah. were you wearing clothes that were you wearing? No. They would just know uh, because of the haircuts. Is that yeah. really? Oh yeah. You'd go, this was before I met, I met my wife while I was in the Marine Corps down there before I met her, you know, you'd go to a club. Nobody, nobody wanted to be around you. They thought, well, you were from Vietnam or you were a cop. Interesting. You know, and you're 20 years old. Yeah. And that's wild that they could just pick it up by noticing a haircut. Well, it's different. That's what I say. Right, because it's something I certainly never experienced or noticed, you know. And then I kind of regret it, because when you come back from war, um, that that was something I never realized. And then later, and people talk about it, and you think back, well, yeah, you're a lot older than the people. You don't fit in because you're, you're a lot older than yeah, Right. There's still a lot immature, and you've seen some stuff that, you you know, You've seen, done some stuff. And you're 20. You're 18, 19 years old. Yeah. We have covered so much here. Let's take a quick break and come right back. We've been here for over 70 years, giving back to community charities, local organizations, and youth athletics. And now we're the official automotive sponsor of St. Louis City SC. We've been here, providing the best car buying experience to our customers. Lou Fuse, we are here with the respect you deserve for 70 years and counting. The Street Smart Mental Health Podcast is powered by Birdies for Bipolar. Birdies for Bipolar aids veterans and civilians living with mental illness by using golf as recreational therapy. For more information, check out birdiesforbipolar.org. That's birdies, the number four, bipolar.org. Welcome back to Street Smart. Let's dig back in. How big a role has your wife played with you and then also other veterans whose wives have been helpful along the way? I would say the guys that I know and myself, they played a major role in helping them. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have that, you go down a hole that it's pretty bad. You know, the ones, some guys are married Four or five times. Yeah. Three or four times. Yeah. Wow, man. But she played a major role. She straightened me out. Wow. Well, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah I mean, I was, uh, I was really bad. I mean, I, I, even while I was in Rink, I was getting in trouble. I would have been in really deep trouble. I, I got busted once. I got tore up the whole club once. I got kind of. How do you feel now? Okay. You feel okay? I mean, when I say okay, I can live with it. Gotcha. I, 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 you know, like I got gotcha. you. Last night was a bad night when I was sleeping. Yeah. yeah. So, are there days that 
like on the days you play golf, are there other other activities you do besides golf when when you do those activities are those days noticeably better? Um golf helps. Yeah. And is golf your only recreational therapy tool at this point? Yeah, like what do you do in the winter? Like in the winter when you can't golf. Play golf. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> get out and go anyway. Yeah, he, he goes out in the cold. He went to Vietnam. This yeah. is nothing. Course ain't open, sir. What are you doing? Yeah. Fucking golf. Well, no, I mean not a lot. I used to do a lot of exercises and stuff. And one of the things I used to do is I had a punching bag and I'd go, you know, when I'd get really bad, I'd just get away from the wife and the kids, go down in the basement and hit that till I got tired. Now that makes sense to me, the punching bag. It's a great outlet. Yeah. What about these days? Is there alcohol? Do you use alcohol or no? No, I not anymore. Yeah, yeah I had a bad time with alcohol. Me too. I haven't, I haven't had anything over 11 years. Really? Yeah. Good for you. That's amazing, dude. Yeah. My dad was an alcoholic. Yep. Mine too. And he quit. Mm-hmm. Never had a drink sometime he quit. Wow. Yeah. But it was bad years for a while. Sure. If you overdo the booze, it can grab you. It's not going to help you. Yeah. And that's, that's why at those meetings that I go to, when you talk about do they give you drugs and everything, everybody there talks about Oh no, man! You—they gave you too much of this, and you need to get this. And you, I, no, they're—if they're giving you drugs to help you, it's not helping. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a psychiatrist or anything. No, no. I just don't. What my experience with watching other people. No, we we've talked about it before. You know, there's a problem going on out there today that many people are over medicated, too okay, many, zombied out, man, and yeah, taking a concoction or a whole bunch of different shit well, every that's day what, yeah and that's what they're saying well no you need to mix it with this one and that one oh that's the worst it may work for some people and i'm not going to knock them if it does if it makes them feel better personally that's their that's good if for they're them doing it with their doctor and but, they, yeah but, keep, and but how easy the doctors that i go to or that were involved they they watched what those guys were on yeah make recommendations i just i feel like it could be a slippery slope you know somebody gets Xanax for anxiety. Next thing you know, they're fucking abusing it and using it too much. Who knows? Well, you never know. You never know. I'm just well, I work for the manufacturing of all your pain medicine and your medicine for the kids that have eight, eight, what do they call that? ADHD, yeah. yeah. And believe me, there's so more of that than else. A lot of kids don't have that at all. They don't need it, but they're selling the shit out of that. Oh, yeah. There's no question. Talk a little bit, if you would, about this Arlington Greens Veteran Golf Association. The amount that it's grown in the last three years is just unbelievable. And talk a little bit, if you would, about Herman and, and Herman Lugie, who's the, um, I guess he's the commissioner of the league, and then some of the guys that you play with. And just, just kind of tell Brandon a little bit and our listeners yeah. a little bit about the league and what golf really has done for you. Okay, well, Herm's a great guy. I mean, um, yeah, he is. for a guy that has taken that from, I guess, a small group of guys, and it's grown to, I think it's 80 people now. Averaging 80 every Thursday, yeah. And yeah. what is this group? It's a group of, what is this group? It's what a is- bunch of golfers, a bunch of, vet, they're all veterans, all yeah. veteran golfers, and we started it with Herman probably nine years ago, and when we first started it, you know, we'd get like six guys or nine guys or maybe 12 guys, maybe. Just and like now, a meeting? Like a meeting? Uh, it's just, yeah, we get together and play golf. We play nine oh, holes. Oh, you actually go out and oh, yeah, oh. go play. And now 
as he just alluded to, they average 80 veteran golfers every Thursday oh, over in Granite that's City. That's fucking awesome, yeah. dude. That's yeah. cool. And the glue that holds that together is Herman. No yeah. question. You know. Couldn't agree more. And and there's other guys that volunteer. I don't know all their names, but I mean, I should, but I don't. That's okay. That. They really hold that together, mm-hmm. and they make sure we they set up the uh, tea times and collect the money, and we have tournaments. And then we have guys like Mike that help us quite a bit. Happy to help. What do you do with it, Mike? When they first started it, they they asked me to come play. He'll he'll be humble here, too. Well, they asked me to come play. When Herman started it nine years ago, he said, hey, we're going to start playing on Thursdays. Like There wasn't any talk of a league. It was just like, we're going to get a few guys together and play. And whenever I was in town, I would come play. And for the first five years, we'd be lucky to get 15 to 20, maybe. And then started growing. And then I didn't even realize it. At the end of 2021, Herman pulled me aside and he said, you know, we're averaging 79 and a half guys every Thursday. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like a midget. (laughs) And uh, I was like, I can't believe it. I didn't. And so we realized that how powerful golf has become for all these guys, but it's really not, I mean, the golf is cool and it's fun, but it's really more about getting all these guys together and the camaraderie that you guys have the air force guys messing with the Marines or the Marines messing with the Navy guys, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and we're lucky that the pro Mark Macuso at Arlington. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a great guy. Yeah. Let's just play for nothing. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. Without Mark Marcuso, this league certainly be, wouldn't be what it is. Yeah. He's the PJ professional over there and he is a uh, great dude. You'd love him. He's funny. And oh, yeah. he's just allowed these guys to keep coming and paying very little, if anything at all. And they have events, big, bigger tournaments throughout the course of the, the year. And it's an unbelievable group of people that has just continued to grow. And a lot of it is because of that veteran mindset of the group getting everybody together. Like you talked about when you, know, you came back, you were kind of looking for, for that group to be side by side with. Is this the same group that you're looking to build the simulator for? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, so shit. we'll, yeah, we'll have that building. Right now, the building's supposed to begin being erected in uh, April, right. and right. the plan is to uh, open it on Fourth of July. Kind of a oh man, a theme there, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I'd say if you guys want to have like a fun podcast, I'd have Mark Macuso come in. Uh, you, you know what? That's a good idea. Bring him on yeah, in. I, mean, I think that'd that be great. Be, uh, he would be outstanding. Yeah, you'd, you'd really like him. The one thing that I like, you know, it's everybody. I mean, there's Air Force. I don't know if there's any Coast Guard. There's a couple. Is there? Really? Yeah, there are. Okay, I never met. I don't. I don't think just like two. And yeah, Marines, and you get a little bit of mm-hmm. you know. I always tell the Army guys, I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, it's black and white, and everybody just gets along. And I, I remember talking Beautiful. with there's one of the black guys. We always have. I'm I'm one of the A golfers, so you have three guys that aren't very good playing with you. But it's fun. It's supposed to be. I always try to. And we were just talking. I said, you know what? Why can't we just be like this all the time in society? Everywhere we go. We just, at the grocery store. Yeah. Get around, we get along so well. Yeah. Well said. Unbelievable. And then the only thing that I would like to see improve is I'd like to see a whole bunch of the younger guys come out. Yeah. Do you, see, do you have a good mixture of young guys now? There's some, 
but we're all we're all old. Gotcha. But I think it would it would be nice to have a mix of young and old. Well, I think that hopefully this podcast will help us find some younger veterans out there. Absolutely. If anybody's listening and you're a veteran, you like to play golf, reach out to Mark Marcuso at Arlington Greens Golf Course or myself through Brandon. But yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, uh, I think most of the guys are over 50 right now with a few, a few under 50. But yeah, we certainly uh, wouldn't hurt us to get a little younger overall. But And even if they're handicapped. Yeah. That's that's a great point. It doesn't matter if you play golf well or not. We're, it's not about playing well. It's about getting everybody together and having some laughs and maybe having a beer afterwards and just enjoying uh, the time perfect. together. Yeah, sounds perfect. Yeah. yeah, for that league, what helps me is um, I've only done this one time. Um, I went to the the big tournament they have at Myrtle Beach, mm-hmm. amateur. Okay, and um, the guy pissed me off. <laughs> okay and so he was not going to beat me and nobody else in there was going to beat me because it pissed me that's the only time i've been pissed off i came in second i was going to say you probably played better yeah i did <laughs> but in this over here i don't want to be pissed off right so how to put it i care because you play you know what I'm, but i don't of course yeah and i also think when you go on the road the camaraderie in the home game at Arlington Greens is a certain energy. When you go on the road to play a tournament, and that goes for you or me or anybody that goes and plays on the road, there's a little bit more competitive fire. Yeah, I'm competitive. Right. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I have, if I get really pissed, then I get, and I don't like to do that because then it's the person I don't want. Right. Let me ask you this, though. Do you think you play better when you're pissed, or do you play better when you're... I play any sport at a higher level. Well, I'm the opposite. Yeah. Oh yeah. If I'm out there golfing and I fuck up and hit it and I shank it or whatever, I'm beating the shit out of the next ball and it's doing the same thing. <laughs> I, I I can't dial in. I can't control it. I just I, everybody's different. I lost my uh my my putter actually at Bear Creek because I threw it in the woods. <laughs> yeah, I need to. Yeah, I need to get a new one. Uh, I I made a promise to myself if I ever threw a golf club. I'd never play golf again. Oh shit! If I made that promise, I would have stopped my. Well, first day. you're much more mature than he is. Absolutely. You know I mean? so. <laughs> no, I mean everybody's way more mature. Just for me, it be what I. I get you. Well, I'm so glad that number one that you found golf, and I think it's such a great game in the sense that it gets everybody outside. You don't have to run very fast to play it. You don't have to jump very high to play it, and it, it gets you around people. And, um, like, I just want to continue saying what I said a minute ago, if there's veterans out there that, that want to play in our veterans golf league, please reach out to myself or Brandon through the podcast here, through Brandon's Facebook groups, and we'll set you up. And again, like Bill was saying, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to play great. You just have to be, uh, interested in having a good time, which I think a lot of people are. Well, and add to that, even, even if they're thinking about playing golf, if they come out early, they have the pros come out and like I think starting in March, isn't it? Sure, sure. I mean, there's definitely guys like Mark Marcuso and some of the other pros that help out with the league that can help you improve if that's something that you're looking oh, no, to do. They have a four-week or five-week um, thing where they meet every week. Oh, they okay. I didn't know that. That must be yeah. is that new or did they do no, that last that's year? Okay, okay. So if you even if do they do that at Arlington? Yeah. Okay, good. At VA and at Arlington. Okay, cool. I, did, I wasn't aware of that, but that's awesome. I mean, the, the game's hard, so if you can learn to play better, that's good. And I have to say this, but it's guys like him and Herman 
that have done a lot for us. That's amazing. They don't get enough. You guys don't get enough thanks. Well, that's nice of you to say that. I know we're not in it for the thanks. We we just we appreciate your service and what all of you guys have done to give us this freedom to you know to sit here in a atmosphere like this and talk on a podcast. I mean, I don't think a lot of people, like Brandon said, really realize how important your guys' role is for all of us here today. You know. I was a little 100%. worried about the podcast, but nah, it was great. Very comfortable. I, yeah, we're just talking, man. We're just this. talking shit. Yeah, no, I'm so I'm so glad that you came in, and, and thanks again. I know it wasn't yeah. a, a short drive for you, but that's Bill Benson, and he's uh, a Marine Corps guy. And we're again, like I said, thank you for your service, and thank you so much for coming in to talk with us today. Thank you. Really, really much. appreciate thank you, you. For giving me this opportunity. Yeah, and thank you for your service. Hopefully, it'll help somebody. Absolutely, it will. I, I guarantee it'll help somebody. Okay. We'll make sure. Well, cool. Thank you very much. We really appreciate you. And that's all we got today on the Street Smart Mental Health Podcast. Check us out next time. We will always be at the Lou Fuse Automotive Group Studio. Later. Bye-bye. Love you. <laughs>